I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 96 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution, like Revolution, with my name, Evan. You get it. You know where to find me. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates. You can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or even concerns about how the show is going, get in touch. Let me know. I appreciate it. Guys, football is getting closer and closer. The march is on. We are continuing through these breakdowns for the division and i am super 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 excited for this week's guest eric moody at eric and moody on twitter an analyst over at espn he covers nfl he covers nba he covers the wnba from a fantasy and a sports betting perspective and if you had any doubts whatsoever how sharp of a guy he is let me just say I asked Eric to come on the show. I told him we were going to be doing divisional breakdown. I said, hey, you know, do you have any preference? Anybody? I know he's a big Saints fan. I thought maybe he'd want to, like, cover the Saints here. No. Straight away, can we do the AFC West? Nailed it. The absolute goldmine that is the AFC West. It's going to be exciting. But, Eric, how the heck are you, man? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing very well. So so far, so good. Always in, always in the mood to talk about fantasy football. And I was chuckling because you mentioned with the AFC West. I cannot stress enough how excited I am about this division and the teams in this division, and particularly the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. So can't wait to get into it. Absolutely, man. Like, absolutely. You no, know, it's it's got to be the most exciting division this year, I would think, for your money. I mean, you just can't imagine there being many low-scoring games. Going to be lots of fantasy goodness. But before we get into that, for <laughs> anybody who may not know, who anybody who's been living under a rock and doesn't know who Eric Moody is, can you just give us a little bit of a background? Because I find your backstory fascinating. I love it. It's one of the things I really was excited to reach out and connect with you and try and get you on the show. But could you, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, if it's not too bold, would you mind just giving me like the 30-second the backstory of the great Eric Moody? Now I, I love I love that intro by the way but um yeah I'll give you'll give you the readers digest version and so yeah I've been creating fantasy football content since uh 2015 and was recently able to transition you know full time in the industry uh, with ESPN but I think at this point I've probably written over you know 500 or more uh fantasy football articles and sports betting articles and before that you know I was in the financial services industry uh, since uh, early 2006, you know, working at various companies, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase, Merrill Lynch, and then before making the transition, USAA. And so kind of having those dual roles of being the content creator, you know, trying to grow a brand on Twitter, you know, while also, you know, being a financial advisor and people leader uh, at USAA. And so it got to the point where those two journeys, you know, kind of collided and kind of had to take an exit off the road. And I chose the exit to cover sports full time, WNBA, NFL, NBA, fantasy football and sports betting. So uh, it's, it's living. It, it, I would say it's living my dream. And I'm, I'm glad I made the transition. Only regret. I wish I would have made it sooner. 
That is awesome. I love that because it reminds me, I don't know if you're a big um, soccer football guy at all mm -hmm. by any chance, but there was a, a manager for Chelsea a couple of years ago called Maurizio Sarri, and he's an Italian manager, and he literally was in the banking industry until he was like in his mid-40s or something mm -hmm. like that, and he just loved football, soccer, and just decided that he was going to go for it, and then he like ended up being a big manager. Some of the biggest clubs in Italy came over, managed Chelsea, uh, really successful with a lot of the stuff that he did. I love those kind of stories where you sort of, because I think people are under this illusion that like, if you don't do it when you're in your twenties or when you're 19, you're never going to do it. And you're just going to get locked into this, you know, career that you hate and all this kind of stuff. But the truth is it's never too late to change paths, to try something different. And so I find your story really inspirational and you're absolutely killing it out there. Side note, side note, I know this is not an NBA show. We're not going to be spending a a lot of time on the NBA, but I am a massive Orlando Magic fan. Obviously, we had the number one pick, Paolo Bancaro, absolute dog. Um, what are your thoughts on the Magic? Are we going to win the championship this year? I don't know about winning the championship. I'll, I'll be transparent, oh, but I, but I, I do, I, I do, I do love the pick, and I know that was. Um, I'm like he, he was my uh, my betting recommendation to go number one overall. Just seeing how the tea leaves were changing leading up to the draft. And then looking at his game, you know, he can impact the game positively on the on the offensive side, you know, the court and defensive side of the court. And then with the other players that the Magic have, I'm like, he's going to be a great fit. So the team is definitely trending up. But Evan, I don't know if they're going to win the title next season. I'll be candid. You're killing me. You're killing me here. You're you're a man of eternal optimism. You can't be you can't be throwing the hammer down like that on me. Um, but look, we have loads, loads, loads to get into. This is a power, power episode, power couple episodes. We're going to be splitting this up. There's so much goodness to talk to. So before we diverge too far down the down the path of talking the NBA, which obviously I could do all day, we'll talk penny we'll talk shack we'll talk the good old days but let's dump let's jump into the afc west the main event fight so with these divisional previews just a little bit of a recap in case you haven't been following along so far which you know I suggest you go back and do. They're all up there. You can find them. We're breaking them down by division, but we're actually just doing individual episodes in case, you know, say, you, say you're a diehard Chiefs fan and you're like, I don't care about the Denver Broncos. I don't care about the Chargers, which, you know, that's horrible. You should care. But if that's all you want to hear about, you can just listen to that episode specifically and we'll talk about them. So what we're doing, we're basically trying to give you a little snapshot, an overview of last year. How did last year go? Many, any major key changes in the offseason, whether it be staff, coaching gm or draft picks free agency so and then again we're going to talk and touch on our expectations for them as a team what we're hoping to see what we think could, we could see and then we're even going to because this is a dynasty show we're going to give you our take on a couple of little sneaky buys sells and holds for the team getting ready for the season so we're going to start where we should start, which is with the reigning champs of the division the Kansas City Chiefs these guys they have had some changes, I'll be honest. So we're going to get right into it. Um, just in case you had forgotten, they finished 12-5 and five last year. Division champs, as expected. Now, they didn't have any major coaching staff changes, so there is a lot of continuity there with Andy Reid as the head coach, Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. However, they did have a lot of turnover on the offensive side of the ball. Now, Key acquisitions would be Juju Smith-Schuster. They brought in on a one-year deal. They brought in Rojo on a one-year deal. They brought 
back Jarek McKinnon on a one-year deal. They did sign Marquez Valdez-Scandling from Green Bay on a three-year deal, so one of the few contracts where they went above and beyond the minimum. And um, they also did lose Daryl Williams, who had been very serviceable as a sort of low-end RB2 last year when CEH was dealing with a lot of his health concerns and just underperformance in general. The big blockbuster move, obviously, that many people will think of initially is that they did trade away Tyreek Hill. The cheetah is gone. He's no longer there. He's over in Miami with Tua, hopefully bringing some glory to the Dolphins, the, the much maligned fan base that has been suffering for a very long time. And then to cap it all off, they did bring in a couple pieces in the draft. So they drafted Sky Moore in round two, a, a wide receiver that I really like. I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. And at the very end of the draft, they did bring in a running back, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and they've also brought in UDFA Justin Ross. So that's kind of a quick snapshot of a lot of the key changes. So as you can imagine, a lot of changes on the offensive side, but they do have Patrick Mahomes, probably the best you know well consensus one of the top three quarterbacks in the nfl they do have one of the best head coaches um play callers so i think there is signs of hope for continuity for there still to be a high powered offense but we've got eric here eric is the man on the ground he knows his stuff what are your thoughts what's your initial sort of feeling and vibe of the kansas city chiefs considering all these changes yeah i, I like a lot of the changes that they made obviously tyree kill you know wanted um you know, some uh, greener pastures, you know, from his perspective. But this is still a, a fantasy football bonanza, in my opinion. The Chiefs, you know, they've provided, you know, managers, I would say, with stability year in and year out, you know, since Patrick Mahomes became the starting quarterback back in 2018. I'm like, you look at what they've been able to accomplish. Kansas City has averaged 404.2 yards per game since 2018. So obviously, due to the departure of Hill, the Chiefs offense will look different. But you, you look at this. You got Travis Kelsey. He's still there. You also have Tyreek Hill. You look at those two players, they've accounted for over half of the Chiefs receiving yards since 2018, the highest rate of any duo in the league. So obviously these other players that you mentioned, Juju, MBS, they're going to be able to absorb uh, some of that volume. I think what's interesting too is like the next closest pair was Seattle's uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at uh, 48%. But to bring all that together, uh, the Chiefs have like 360 vacated targets, 2,753 air yards entering this season. So someone's going to have to step up and absorb, you know, that volume. One thing with the Chiefs, they did get a ton of draft picks for Hill. So his shoes are obviously going to be difficult to fill, but they can do it. And again, I do like the Chiefs fantasy football bonanza. I just wish I had a crystal ball knowing where all the other targets would go to the receivers outside of Travis Kelsey. But, you know, hey, I digress. Yeah, no, it feels like this untapped gold mine but the worry is you're just like outside of Kelsey you're like what can we expect who's going to step up somebody has to step up but who is it going to be mm -hmm. um and just going back to last year because there is so much continuity again something that I'm like I'm trying to do with these divisional breakdowns we're kind of kind of going back and not going too far down the rabbit hole but we want to dive in a little bit to some of these advanced statistics and just sort of get an idea how successful were they was there certain areas that the team was successful in versus others um so for example in pace of play is just a statistic to tell us how quickly the ball was moving, how quickly the plays are moving, how quickly the offense is moving. They were actually ninth in pace of play last year. So 
top 10, you know, they were keeping the ball moving. They were keeping the plays going. I like to see that again, more plays means more chances of fantasy goodness. And as far as another stat that we can look at is DVOA, which is just defensive adjusted value over average. So what that means is uh, an easy way to think of it is just what is kind of the baseline of what we can expect and how much did they add on top of that? How, how valuable really, when we get down to it was this offense and they were third in DVOA. So again, very valuable. Um, You think of Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I mean, that is a, that is some dynamite, um, some dynamite situations that they are mixing up there on a weekly basis. And, and the fascinating thing to me is that when you lived through last season, there were some down times. There were some rough times in the middle of the season and people were souring a little bit on Mahomes. They were souring a little bit on the Chiefs offense. And yet when you get to the end of the year and you look back, you say, well, they were still third in DVOA. So if their down year is third in DVOA, that shows you that there's definitely the sky is the limit. As far as their pass versus run success rates, they were actually very successful in both, which I think the I think that people them being successful in the passing work doesn't surprise people. I think people don't think of them as an overly successful run team. I think that's just kind of the general thought process and it seems to be a wrong thought process so a play is considered successful when it gains at least 40 percent of the yards to go on a first down 60 percent of the yards to go on a second down or 100 percent of the yards to go on a third down just for a background and when we're talking about success rates so they were 55 percent successful on run which is third and they were 54 percent successful on passing which is first 55% of their plays were successful by those metrics in general. And that is first place. So again, we're talking about a down year and they're still top five in most metrics that really look at advanced sort of efficiency, advanced value that they're adding. I think there's an awful lot of goodness here. We just need to try and get our sleuth hats on and figure out where we can find it. So having said all that, Eric, where uh, if you were to try and put a number on your confidence level for the Chiefs offensive players going into 2022, between 1 and 10, where are you sort of going to throw that number out? Yeah, my, my initial thought is is an 8. I'm like, the, the targets are there. You've got one of the top quarterbacks in the game in Mahomes. Kelsey's obviously getting older. He'll still be actively involved. But it's an opportunity there you know, for the other receivers that they have to kind of take the bull by the horns and, and, and run with it. So I would say an 8. I tend to agree with you. I would say I'm about an eight, eight and a half as well. I thought it might be a little bit lower than that, but the more I've thought on it, the more I've kind of looked into the advanced statistics, the underlying statistics, and the more I've just thought about, man, it is Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. Let's not overthink this. Mm-hmm. And Andy Reid, again, you know, he is one of the best head coaches, offensive-minded head coaches, play callers that we have in the National Football League. So I think there's definitely some goodness there, which leads me to the next question, which we're going to cover for every team. But we're going to look at the biggest buy, the biggest buy, goodbye, and the biggest sneaky stash that we can think of for these teams. Now, as far as the biggest buy, so who are you buying the hype on or who do you think we should get in on now in Dynasty before the price just rises during the season or potentially next year? Yeah, and I know on a a number of these names, I'm I'm sure we'll be uh, aligned, but it's hard to overlook Sky Moore. I'm like, he's, he's a great player to target. Uh, in dynasty formats. And so he's my value pick. Uh, you think about his body of work at Western Michigan. 
He had a dominator rating of 44.8%. For those unfamiliar with that metric, it does measure how many touchdowns and receiving yards a player commands within his own offense. When you combine that, you know, his athleticism, he looks great on film. But then when you look at what Hill was able to accomplish since 2018 in this Kansas City Chiefs offense, you mentioned it as well, Evan, the continuity is still there with the coaching staff, is that you look at Hill. He ranks six in targets with 517, seventh in receptions, 342 third in receiving yards, 4,852, and second in touchdown grabs at 43 in the NFL. Those are some really good marks, and that's the type of potential workload that Sky Moore could inherit. And, and I think I think he can thrive in this role. If he hits the ground running, we'll see. But I like him quite a bit. I 100% agree with Eric on this take. I put Sky Moore down as well, so I'm not going to rehash everything he said. What I will add to it just quickly, he comes in at wide receiver 33 on the sleeper platform, which is my platform of choice when you're playing fantasy football um, for their super flex ADP, which is average draft position. So in a startup, if you're starting a new dynasty league um, and it's a super flex, he's coming in at wide receiver 33. So like a low end wide receiver three. So you're the price to get potentially Mahomes number one wide receiver is not exorbitant when you think that Mahomes himself is going as the QB two. So everyone sort of consensus agrees that Mahomes is awesome I think everyone agrees that the Chiefs have been awesome and I think everyone thinks Andy Reid is awesome but for some reason and I personally think it's because we've all been Mikul Hardman over the last couple years we've all had those we've all been CEH'd a bit too much we've got some PTSD and we're just working those demons out so that's why I think Sky Moore because to me the difference is and no this is no shade at Mikul Hardman he is a much more talented athlete than I will ever be but I never thought Mikul Hardman was an incredible talent coming into the NFL. I never saw him as a, wow, this guy is amazing. He's somebody you should really target in the first round of your rookie drafts. We all bumped him up our rookie drafts because he landed with the Chiefs, because he went to Patrick Mahomes. However, I thought Sky Moore was really talented before the NFL draft. When I did my pre-draft analysis, I had him pegged as a first round rookie draft talent. I said, look, I would be happy to spend a 110, 111, 112 rookie draft pick on him when I didn't know his landing spot, didn't know his draft capital. So I think right now is the time to get in because even if he just does a little bit, people will all of a sudden realize, oh my goodness, wait, this guy is talented. Oh yeah, he's with Mahomes for the next four years. This is a good thing. And I'm pretty sure his ADP is just going to rise going on next year. So that kind of transitions us to our bye, goodbye, see you later. Again, spoiler alert, we're in lockstep here, but I'm going to let my main man, Eric, kind of take it away here. Who is it? Just reveal, spoil the secret and tell us why we should be getting out from under this player. It, it, it pains me to say, but this player is uh, Travis Kelsey. You know, everyone knows his statistical body of work, especially over the last uh, couple of seasons. You know, he's been uh, phenomenal. Uh, one thing with Tyreek Hill there, I'm like his presence did open up the short and intermediate parts of the field for Kelsey, and he ultimately thrived. But, you know, hey, you've got a new trio at wide receiver. You know, you've got MVS, you've got Juju, you've got Sky. And uh, I think time will tell if they can kind of replicate what Hill was able to do for Kelsey moving forward. So I just think given the circumstances and his age, it's the optimal time, you know, to trade him away. Like most tight ends tend to have their best seasons. Uh, between the ages of 25 and 28. Now, obviously, Kelsey is an outlier just given his age. But if you look back to last season, Kelsey finished with his lowest target share in over five years as it dipped under 24% for the first time since 2016. So, again, just something to be mindful of. I know it's going to be tough to kind of, you know, trade Kelsey away. But I think this is the optimal time to do it because you're going to be able to get a, a really great haul in return. 
Absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. And I think that it's hard to do. And that's one of the tricks of Dynasty. I find Dynasty is very complicated in that in that regard because we fall in love with these players who win us championships. We fall in love with these players who've been so rock solid, so consistent for so long. But the thing about Dynasty that's different than Redraft, that's different than maybe even a Keeper League and things like that, is you have to try and get out a year early rather than a year late. Because if you get out a year yes. late, you're left holding the bag and it becomes harder and harder to be a perennial contender, which ultimately is what you want to do. You want to be winning the championship as much as possible, at least throwing your hat in the ring and be in with a shout. And Travis Kelsey is 32 years old. He's not getting any younger. He's an absolute stud he is a dog he is a hall of fame tight end love the guy to bits but i agree 100 with eric i was able to trade um kelsey this offseason for I, I gave kelsey and a third for kyle pitts and for me personally i love that trade because kyle pitts you have to i mean you have to read the tea leaves a little bit here because but even the fact that how impressive and how amazing his rookie year was look at some of these stats and you have to kind of take that leap of faith before you, if you wait till you can see it, it's going to cost too much and in, yeah. in dynasty. And so you have to take that leap. I'm happy with that, but that's just gives you an idea. There are deals out there. There are people, especially if you're waiting till week one, two or three and people are going to be like, Oh my goodness, you just had two touchdowns, 140 yards. Yes. Take three first. Give me that Travis Kelsey. Um, but I agree hundred percent cash in this year cash in before the season starts or as soon as you can in the season if possible um and then that leads us to our last one which we finally have gone different ways here and <laughs> i think it's only because i'll be honest this is a complete like behind the peak curtain here i did genuinely very close to go, go back in and edit my name to be what eric actually has chosen because i think it's a really good shout i was trying to just trying to find names that we're not constantly talking about and pick out some like just absolute like Diamonds in the rough, probably just more rough than diamond, though. Um, but here we are, <laughs> sneaky stash. So who's somebody that you think is really low, uh, not valued enough, and you think could really return some value for you on this Chiefs roster? Yeah, I just see a lot of uh, fantasy managers overlooking uh, Ronald Jones. You know, he, He's a guy that's leaving one elite offense for another here in Kansas City. So you mentioned it earlier, Evan. You know, the Chiefs lost uh, Daryl Williams. Uh, you know, the Arizona, you got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's – constantly dealing with injuries and underperformed statistically so far in his career. And Jarek McKinnon is really more of like a third down back. Uh, so you look at last season, uh, Daryl Williams rushed inside the five yard line, 63.6% of the time. Now in the red zone, you've got Clyde Edwards, Hilaire accounted for only about 21% of, of rush attempts. Now you look at Ronald Jones, you know, given his body of work, what he was able to do in Tampa, you know, he fits that role perfectly in my opinion. The Chiefs did finish 11th in red zone touchdown percentage last year at 62.2%. And so, again, the opportunity is there for the taking. And I see someone like Jones can get, like, early down work and, uh, you know, goal line work uh, for the Chiefs this year. And, and we, we talked about this. They have one of the better offenses in the league. And really taking players from great offenses is never a bad idea. You've got Jones, who's essentially free, someone that can get anywhere, I would say, from 10 to 13 touches per game. And who knows? He could take the backfield over. It wouldn't surprise me. And to your point, he is, I just looked it up there as you were talking, he's coming in at RB46. So mm -hmm. we talked about startup ADP, so average draft position. So if everyone is sort of taking who they want and going down the pecking order, he's coming in as like 
RB 46. I mean, that is, yeah. <laughs> that is low. That is like an RB five or something for somebody. I mean, so there's definitely some, um, that, you know, the juice is probably worth the squeeze at that point, because like we said, Daryl Williams, who has nowhere near the pedigree just finishes like an RB two last year in this same offense. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about their efficiency in the run game. So I certainly think, I mean, they have one of the better offensive lines now as well, which yeah, we don't exactly. really talk about enough. I don't think. Um, so for my two, I've got you a two pack because my two are just substantially less valuable than Eric's. Um, they're probably just shots in the dark. These are guys you can probably pick up for free on your waiver wire and you may end up dropping back onto your waiver wire. But I was trying to really just dig through the rubbish and find something worth value here because that's what we do in Dynasty at times. My names are Justin Watson and Isaiah Pacheco. Now, Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round draft pick. They have signed him to a four-year contract, which is pretty interesting. And he is very fast, very speedy, which they like in that offense. So again, I'm sort of thinking they've obviously brought back Jarek McKinnon for that sort of a role, but he's quite old. They've only given him a one-year deal. It may just be a bit of insurance. And because it is a bit of a nebulous backfield, we don't know exactly how things are going to work out sometimes when it's a unknown you just want the cheapest option and for me isaiah pacheco i've seen him go in the fourth fifth rounds of rookie drafts i've seen him go undrafted and you can just pick him up off the waiver wire and stash him see how things go how things go with training camp and justin watson is again because the wide receiver core outside of well we hope sky Moore is kind of unknown we don't know how things are going to shake out it's just again a free shot um justin watson came over from the bucks unfortunately deal with dealt with a lot of injuries but i did hear I keep my ear to the ground in the offseason, and I did hear Peter Schrager, who is pretty tied in, pretty clued in with these sort of things, mention that Patrick Mahomes specifically called out Justin Watson a couple of times as somebody that really stood out to him when they were doing some drills and some just working on their catch and, you know, back and forth and working on that rapport. He kind of was like, how fast is this guy? I like this guy. So if Patrick Mahomes is liking him, I'm going to kind of pay attention, especially when he's free, just add him in and just see what happens. Again, somebody can easily cut, but you just never know. So guys, I'm sure you're already realizing how incredible Eric is with his analysis. He is an absolute legend. Do you have a bold prediction for us that has anything to do with Kansas City Chiefs? It can be with the coaching staff. It can be with Mahomes. It can be with a certain player or the actual just team itself. Anything to tie a bow on this part of the episode? Yeah, I would say my uh, prediction would be Juju Smith-Schuster leading the Chiefs in receiving yards. I could see that happening. Ooh, that is spicy. I like it. I um, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that Sky Moore finishes as a top 30 wide receiver his rookie year. So I think he will be useful. I think he'll be somebody you can plug in as the season goes on. You can plug him into your uh, lineup regularly. I do think just given his skill set, I think he could hit the ground running and be one of those guys you can use even as a rookie. There you go, folks. We have wrapped up the Kansas City Chiefs just for you to sit, think about, go out, send some trade offers, get excited for the season. And we're going to move right on to the Las Vegas Raiders. I draft zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a Dynasty debate. <laughs> 